0: Welcome to the OnFit Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Onfit Podcast, a weekly discussion on key trends in investment and economic policy from some of the world's leading commentators. I'm Emma McGarthy, head of the OnFit Sustainable Policy Institute. And today we will be discussing the ECB's most recent climate stress test. I'm delighted to be joined today by Christopher Cock, Head of the Stress Testing Experts Division in the European Central Banking uh, Supervision. So welcome Christopher and thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you here.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Thank you so much. So uh, we'll dive in with my, my first question. So What were the key approaches and methodologies taken in the ECB uh, climate risk stress test? And in particular, kind of how does the stress test complement other ECB climate related works, such as the economy wide stress test, which you uh, published in September 2021?
1: Yeah, no, thanks very much for the question. So the ECB's 2022 climate risk stress test that we have just published last week is a supervisory uh, stress test exercise, which is, yeah. Run in a what we call a bottom-up fashion, in in the sense that uh, we have provided banks with common methodologies, uh, common scenarios. But then, the banks are then were then asked to provide data and projections uh, subject to these, say, uh, methodologies. Uh, and, and in that in that regard, it it differs from the uh, economic, economy-wide exercise that was done was done last year by the ECB, which. It's more of a top-down exercise that did not involve the, the banks themselves, but but really were based on, on, on our own say, top-down models and, and collected data. But here, this exercise is really a supervisory exercise that uh, involves the banks directly, and the banks were, were asked to provide a wealth of information, I would say, and it's I think it's also Important to mention here that it's actually more, much more than just a stress test. It is indeed part of our, say, regular stress testing activities, so the ECB as a competent supervisory authority has to run an annual stress test every year, Uh, and this year it was decided by our supervisory board that our so-called thematic stress test should be about climate risk. So, of course, part of the exercise is really a stress test where we subject the banks to a set of scenarios. I can talk about those in a minute. And, and they were then asked to provide projections on, on certain portfolios, in particular in terms of credit risk, uh, but also some market risk impacts. But we also ask banks to provide, on the one hand, more qualitative information about more generally how, how they factor in climate risk into their internal stress testing frameworks. So to what extent banks have actually started to incorporate Climate risk features into their say regular stress testing approaches, such as the ICAPs, and and, and also how say the whole and the, and all the elements around that say, in terms of governance. How how what are the data? What are the the scenarios they are considering? What type of risk coverage are they are they covering to the extent that they do take into account climate risk factors into their stress testing activities so but that was yeah so we really collected a lot of say more qualitative information around that that we uh, used to assess say banks level of, of preparedness uh, at this point in time also in relation to our supervisory guide that we have published uh, back in 2020, which consists of a number of of expectations to the banks in terms of how they manage climate risk in in their risk management uh, more broadly, and and one of the expectations relate specifically to stress to stress testing and scenario analysis. And this was to ascertain what we tried to to assess in, in this exercise, especially through the the qualitative information to see where are are the banks in in, in terms of they aligned with our supervisory expectations. Uh, or, or. And then the second element that we also in- included in the exercise beyond, say, the, the stress test projections part uh, was a more quantitative data collection where we tried to collect data on uh, a selected set of, of corporate exposures, namely the, the 22 most carbon-emitting uh, sectors, so greenhouse gas-emitting sectors. We asked banks to provide uh, really point-in-time data as of last year, end of last year, in terms of, on the one hand, how reliant they are in terms of income generation, so in terms of uh, what they generate in terms of uh, net interest income or fees and commission income, stemming from, from uh, say, lending to, to those sectors that are, are assessed to be the more carbon intensive ones. So really to get a gauge of on, on how reliant banks are on, say, the more polluting uh, sectors uh, or that put it, yeah, businesses with more polluting sectors. And then we also then in that context also collected data on, on their exposures to those sectors, not only the income generated, but also the actual exposures say more from a credit risk perspective. And in that regard, we also we, uh, collected a lot of very granular information. They are also asking banks to uh, provide us for each of these sectoral exposures, provide us with information about, say, how how each counterpart, let's say, the, the, the scope 1, 2, and 3 emission type of data, both for, for real estate, collateral, to what extent are the energy efficient? So there's a lot of, say, new data that we haven't collected before that we uh, compiled in the context of this exercise also to, to really try to bring uh, the banks up to speed in terms of being able to to measure and monitor climate related risks. So so beyond just being as stressed as it was also really a, a data collection exercise that uh, in our view has acted as a catalyst for banks to, to really start getting working on 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 uh, improving their, their data infrastructures and be able to account for climate climate relevant relevant breakdowns of, of their exposures and income
0: really, really interesting. And I'd like to go on to the results, but you, you touched upon kind of this issue of data and, you know, this exercise being a way of kind of helping the the, the banks and, and the financial sector kind of, you know, build that better data infrastructure. And one of the things that we consistently hear within the Sustainable Policy Institute conversations is there is this lack of quality granular dense data in order to sufficiently transition to sufficiently measure your risk so when you were conducting this exercise and obviously you were asking for all of this information you were asking for this data what was the quality of that that data like and and how did that kind of work and what was the general reaction from kind of you know the the organizations that you were asking from when you were kind of doing this and you were getting all that information
1: well thanks very much that's a very good question i mean indeed we where we set out with this exercise and we started having consultations with the industry and it became clear that data availability was going to be a, a big obstacle for for the banks participating and just to mention in terms of the number of banks participating it was 104 banks or basically all our so-called significant significant institutions that we directly supervise but indeed and acknowledging that that data availability was going to be a challenge, it was also kind of factored into to the way we approach the exercise. I mean, it has, I mean, we've said this also publicly that, that way we view this exercise. I mean, this is a first of its kind exercise in terms of this very comprehensive bottom-up exercise, where we ask the banks for a lot of information. So it has a kind of a exploratory nature or learning exercise as we call it. In the way we set it up, we did acknowledge that that banks would have have, uh, challenges uh, in terms of providing uh, all the information we were asking for. So what we did, uh, I mean, although we encouraged the banks to really try to to use actual hard data, counterparty data, we also allowed to a large extent for banks to use proxies, as we call it, so data from uh, public data vendors or other ways of estimating Say some of the more challenging breakdowns, say on scope one, two, and three emissions or energy performance certificates, and so on. We did outline various approximation type of approaches that that they could use, uh, that would be acceptable within within the exercise. So, but what? So I think the mainly terms of outcome, I think there are two messages I would say. On the one hand, a positive one in the sense that banks actually did manage to provide to fill all the data templates that we asked them to do uh, so it was they were managed to provide comprehensive templates to us and then data so so we and, and and meaningful data as well so we did manage to have we were a bit concerned in the beginning that what we would get would maybe not be of much use for doing proper analysis but at least that was uh, the process exceeded our expectations so that was really a good good outcome on the other hand i mean also as expected we do see uh, Deficiencies and that banks are to a large extent relying on on proxies rather than hard uh, say counterparty data to to generate these climate related or climate relevant uh, breakdowns of their say exposure data, income data and so on. So so that tells us that there's still quite a lot of work to do for the banks to to get to a point where uh, we think they, they should be uh, in in say moving towards also in order to say manage climate risk and manage the the transition i mean they need to have a good understanding of their counterparts their transition plans the company's transition plans in order to manage the risk so i think that's a really a key key element that 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 we are trying to to emphasize uh, in our in our findings this is going forward i mean for now learning exercise and so on was acceptable and, and they did manage to to make good progress but To see that there's still quite a quite a lot of work to do in order to for the banks to really be able to to manage these these risks in a a proper way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that you managed to get quality data and that information, I think, is a fantastic step in itself. To be honest, especially in comparison to maybe where we would have been a, a year ago. So. Yeah, i i think it's uh it's, it suggests a movement in in the right direction and maybe we can we can go into kind of what the financial sector can can better do to integrate uh climate risk in a moment but I, I would like to now go on to the results of the stress test and, and what you guys found so firstly kind of what the key results were in terms of banks vulnerabilities and exposure to emission intensive companies what did the stress test find um and show you
1: yeah maybe they will i can start with saying i mean the the, the exercise has a lot of quantitative elements but it's also uh, still very exploratory in nature also in view of the say the early stage of of development in terms of data handling in terms of modeling uh, in terms of general generating or integrating climate risk into bank stress testing frameworks indeed we saw that the majority of the banks still have not really fully integrated climate risk into their into their internal stress testing frameworks. So any quant- quantitative results should still be seen with a, say, a, or be interpreted with, with due caution. And one thing I would also like to emphasize in this regard is that the scenarios we considered in this exercise, we had, we tried to both cover transition risk and, and physical risk. So we had, for what concerns transition risk, we had three long-term, or so 30-year horizon scenarios, One orderly uh, transition scenario, one disorderly where transition policies are face, f- faced in at a later stage but then more abruptly and then uh, a, a so-called hothouse scenario where no policies are, are introduced over this period. So these, these scenarios are relying very much on the NGFS scenarios, the latest ones with a few kind of additions but, but so it's, it's broadly, broadly speaking the NGFS scenarios that we use for these long-term uh, scenarios, transition scenarios, then we had uh, a three-year transition scenario, so basically a front-loaded disorderly uh, scenario where we assumed that, say, the facing enough, the upward facing enough of policies, which in the long term would happen, say, in, in 2030, 2040, was front-loaded to, to the to the next three years, which, of course, creates a more short-term distress. Uh, and then we had two physical risk scenarios, one flood risk scenario and uh, and another drought and heat. Risk scenario. So, I would, though, both of those were simply a one-year uh, type of scenario horizon. One thing that I should mention in particular with, with regard to the transition scenarios and, and the fact that they are based on the NTFS scenarios is that they are not really stress or adverse scenarios from, a, from a say, a standard stress test perspective, but uh, but rather say, depicting a, a situation, a more baseline type of situation with say, still. Uh, positive economic growth but then with some climate related shocks say to carbon prices uh, around that baseline but basically that means that say the the losses that are generated under these kind of type of scenarios are not kind of comparable to what we would normally see in our say regular supervisory solvency stress so one should keep that in mind when when uh, when interpreting the results another key feature when, when looking at the, the overall resources, also that especially in, in the long-term scenarios, we also allowed banks to, to dynamically adjust their balance sheets uh, and, say, reduce exposures for example, to the more carbon-emitting sectors, which of course has another um, mitigating effect on, on the oil losses that are generated over, over that period, and we saw did that banks did that, uh, so, so that should also be taken into account. The reason why we allowed for this was also to get more qualitative sense of of the banks thinking in terms of their long term strategic plans uh, under under these kind of, kind of uh, transition scenarios uh, to see how how do they how do they think about this from a more strategic perspective and i think one one finding there is that at least when we compare across these three scenarios there's not such, so much differentiation in in the way banks think about them yet which also tells us a bit that we are still at an early stage of, say, factoring this in uh, on the side of the banks. Uh, was, yeah, It's still still a little bit rudimentary. What we also found was that, say, the modeling approaches, especially for what concerns credit risk, which was the main risk area that we focused on in the exercise, also there the modeling is still a bit rudimentary. The climate factors are not covered in, in, in rather simplistic ways, and we are not, say, fully convinced that... that Banks are still there when you look at them overall. They're, they're there in terms of having a really appropriate credit risk modeling approaches in terms of factoring in climate climate factors. But other than that, in terms of the findings, what we do find is that, let's say, and that is kind of aligned with the findings we had in our top down exercise from last year that if you look at this long term scenarios, the losses would be lower under under an orderly transition say when where policies are phased in a gradual and timely manner, compared to more disorderly facing in or no facing in at all so, so at least that 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 was one one key finding also in terms of physical risk uh, we, we did find that I mean, that that the, the losses that banks would encounter there very much depends on on the on the location not surprisingly both of course the exposures to say See the regions of where either flood risk or, or drought and heat risk uh, are more, more or less likely to to materialize. So, so we'll say, the more the more the really the regional dimension there is, is quite important, which is not surprising, but at least that was something that, that clearly came out of, of, of the findings. Um, but again, they say the quantitative results should be interpreted with, with some caution, uh, also because we focus really only on a subset of, of, of portfolios, really the most carbon-intensive ones. So we don't consider the full balance sheet of the banks, which uh, could be affected in various ways. So so it is really just a partial picture because yeah, we wanted to start somewhere, but didn't want to really ask too much. We were, we were already asking a lot from the banks, so we had to start uh, in a simple, Would you simple say- way, so to say, but say
0: would you say it's easier to to measure and to understand the physical risk versus the transition risk at this stage or is is there kind of not too much difference between the two
1: yeah maybe yeah on on the one hand yeah uh, in in the sense that it's i mean physical risk is something that we yeah see materializing already and it's something that is related to say the collateral for example of, of, of their exposures so so it's maybe a little bit more tangible whereas these 30-year horizon scenarios is also something that we never really did before and in stress test uh, uh, exercises so so this is i would say a bit more speculative uh, in, in a way and more exploratory and that's whats also why we emphasize more let's say the more qualitative in uh, output of that uh, rather than taking the the numbers really f- literally but really more about the direction of travel so so from that perspective it's uh, it's maybe more tangible though let say the more short-term disorderly scenario the three-year horizon which is a bit more similar to to a standard stress test where we have we an economic scenario and some shocks to oil and energy prices in general i think that's something that banks can already should already be able to to capture now uh, based on, on so that's that's more you can do it in a way that is it's more comparable to a standard stress test micro scenario there but but these more long-term scenarios of course That's this point more speculative in, in, in nature
0: mm. and was the fact that this was bottom-up opposed to top-down did that kind of have an impact on on the results and, and on the kind of information and, and the data that you had or was there not too much of a kind of a divergence between that
1: yeah i think the two type of exercises are not say strictly comparable uh, so, I mean, the scenarios are, to some extent, similar to the ones we used in the, in the last year's top-down exercise, but I mean, here we are asking, but that exercise was really based on publicly available information that we get from private data vendors. Here, we're really asking banks to provide us with their data, you know, and that I think is really the advantage of what we've been doing here, that we really get a wealth of information from the banks that we can use going forward and that that we will not be able to to get elsewhere. So I think that's really the richness of the information that we are collecting here is is, is really quite quite unique. And maybe in that regard, uh, I mean we'll publish, we have probably have now published the results, but but well, this is just kind of a first step. So we, we are planning, say out in the second half of the year to to spend more time on looking at, at all the material we have collected. And uh, with that in mind, uh, also trying to support the industry in coming up with what we call best practices of, that we have noticed. So maybe one thing I actually would like to, to emphasize is that although, as I mentioned, we see significant deficiencies uh, across, across the industry in terms of data handling, modeling and so on, integrating climate risk in there stress testing frameworks, we also saw now, and that I think is another conscious of this bottom-up exercise, that we did see some banks that actually were able to, to handle uh, the challenges and overcome uh, some of the challenges. So banks actually did a, a very good job. Not, there was not one bank that did everything perfectly, but some banks did very well in certain areas. And that at least proved to us that it's not an insurmountable task. I and mean, that actually can, can be done. You know? uh, and I think that, uh, that was an, another, another important finding. But yeah. also with that in mind, what we're going to do now is we really to sit down and uh, analyze more, more deeply, we will also have interactions with the industry and then we will have a guidance document uh, later on in the year that can support also banks uh, to, to overcome these, these challenges. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And as you say, that is uh, that is very positive and does show that this this can be done <laughs> and, and will be done. It yeah. yeah. um, leads me on to my, I guess, my kind of final question of just how can the financial sector kind of better integrate risk metrics, uh, understanding of their credit risk, as you mentioned, into their structures and, and kind of into, into what they're doing on a, on a kind of regular basis.
1: Yeah, I mean, that leads me, I mean, relates to, the, to, to what I just said in terms of, Trying to learn from 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 the best practices and see. I mean, there's no single best way, I think, to do this. But banks need to find their their way, and it also depends a bit on their business model and and their, the nature of the exposures, of course, how they do it. But what I think one key thing is that they will need to to um, increase their customer engagement in terms of measuring climate risk, engaging with the customers to understand what are their transition plans. Are their customers trying to to move towards a more green transition, so to say, or will they just continue to do business as usual? And that in, in turn depend, uh, will affect a lot to what extent the climate risk is going to materialize in banks balance sheets. And also one, you know, as I mentioned, uh, thing, uh, I think I did mention that, that we do find that most banks actually have, rely quite, quite heavily on, on some of the most carbon in- intensive sectors know so what the income they're generating today is actually coming from many of these uh, greenhouse gas emitting sectors of course that may not need not necessarily need to be a problem um, but it could be uh, if those companies are not say having concrete plans to transition uh, and so on then climate risk could Indeed, become pronounced and material later on. But if we do have proper plans in place, I mean, the banks would be in a good place, I think, to, to help them with that transition. And I think that's important to, to distinguish there. Uh, but indeed, that the customer engagement, I think, would be a, a key element. And then otherwise, of course, they need to, to continue working on, on the data, getting the data right, uh, improve their modeling approaches, and, and really integrate these features climate risk features into their standard uh, stress testing approaches and risk management more broadly of course
0: brilliant well thank you so much christopher for uh, for joining me today and thank you to our listeners you can subscribe to this and all other on podcasts on our channel which is on spotify or itunes thank you again christopher really appreciate you taking the time thanks very much thank you for listening to the on podcast